Hello again, everyone, and welcome to our fourth podcast in the series. Uh, this is Priority One, Audio Log 004-759-L2-01N. A bit of a mouthful there. Most of you have guessed it. Seems like I didn't make it hard enough, but um, it's very apt in uh, what this podcast is going to be talking about today, so I kind of like wanted to give it that, um, that little nod. So the podcast today is going to be uh, focused around our last uh, Insider video, which was obviously building the cast of Alien Isolation. We're going to be looking at the characters and the cast of our game and how we went about uh, building uh, them into our game, uh, looking at certain aspects as you would have seen in the video, uh, etc. So it's, it's a really exciting one. I, I've got some exciting questions for our guests. And with me, I have some sort of like substantial studio heavyweights for our, our very last podcast in the series. So I'm a little bit sad, actually. Oh. I am. My dulcet tones will no longer be ringing through your uh, iPods or whatever you listen to me on. <laughs> Stop giggling at me. Um, so the guys that I have with me today, they will give you a little bit more info on what they do in the studio um, and, you know, where they sit in, in the team. So why don't you introduce yourselves? You go first. Okay. <laughs> I think I've ever been described as heavyweight before. Yeah, you are. Um, Substantial. Hi, I'm Al. I'm, I'm creative lead on the project. I guess what that means is I'm, I'm responsible for the vision of the game, um, and I guess the, the game as a whole. Um, but I think the best part of my job, I would say, is, is um, working day to day with a really fantastically talented team who are super excited about what they're doing. And I, think oh, that's, um, I know. So um, that's, that's, that's the best part of my job, for sure. And uh, just quickly before we go into the other guys, you would uh, you would have seen Al actually um, and our other guests in our Insider video, and um, some of you who turned up to Res would have also seen Al in the developer session there. So uh, you can now put a voice to your face. <laughs> no, they were, they were great events. I mean, it's always really cool to to meet the fans and uh, and uh, and to show show off what we're doing. I think we've been working on this game for such a long time and not being able to talk about it, um, finally being mm. able to show the world what we're doing and how excited we are is, uh, is really exciting for us. For then, um, I'm Jude, uh, I'm lead artist on the project. I guess my responsibility is visualising Al's vision for the game. Um, so that's everything you see that would go through the art department. Um, the same sentiments as Al, really. You know, we've got a hugely talented team. I can't take responsibility for the beautiful stuff that we're making. You know, it's down to the, the individuals on the shop floor who are doing that work day in, day out. Yep, that's me. Uh, hi, I'm Dion. I'm uh, one of the writers on the game. Um, I do. Uh, I write a lot of dialogue, uh, flesh out characters, and um, and the stationary backstory, and kind of give it a, <coughs> a bit of weight for those people that want to really explore and uh, uh, get the most out of the game. Brilliant. So there you have it. Our um, esteemed guests. <laughs> Everyone has heavy, been heavy on weight. Weight. Heavyweight. <laughs> has, has keep, been, keep yeah, heavyweight. Yes, <laughs> substantially heavyweight. Yes, so the, these are the guys that we are going to be talking to today and uh, putting your questions that you sent in um, to as well. Uh, so I will be asking them later because, first of all, these guys have got to run the gauntlet of answering my questions, which are, you know, pretty epic this time around. So uh, they're not, they're just the normal questions. Um, but I will get cracking on with those. After that, we will answer your questions. And then, obviously, uh, the moment everyone waits for is the reveal of the actual title of our podcast, which also everyone has guessed. But never mind, I still look forward to that reveal, and you have to as well. So, cracking on, 
with our first question, well, my first question for you, uh, team, is obviously Ellen Ripley is a hugely um, iconic character, and, you know, you can't mention the film without talking about her. Um, so I'd like to know what were uh, the challenges in bringing her daughter to gaming life visually and, and narratively, and what did you enjoy most about fleshing that character out in terms of all the departments that you work in, like writing and art and research? What were the things that you found that you were discovering more about the character of Ripley through through Amanda? And uh, what kind of uh, pieces of info could you share on that? Uh, well, I think uh, one of the one of the interesting things to do is um, uh, Ellen Ripley is so iconic, and you know we want to we want to use her daughter for this uh, story, and we kind of um, you know we want to make her interesting. We want to make her similar to her mother because obviously. They're the same blood, and they're, they're the, you know they're going to have the same motivations, in some way. But you know she's got to be her own character in her own right. Um, so I mean, one of the things I thought was great about Ellen Ripley is that um, she's very cool-headed. If you watch all the the Alien film and even Aliens, she will take a lot of nonsense from the other people mm-hmm. who are doing the wrong things and kind of getting in trouble, and and they'll be insulting to her. And rather than like lash out at them. She'll kind of take it because she's kind of strong enough to go, actually, it doesn't matter. They're just jibes. I'll just take that and just ignore it. And she kind of rises above that. And she usually, you know, in an action film or something, mm. you'd have someone, like, spouting off uh, one-liners. And, you know, but she's kind of... I like the way she just plays it cool and she just goes, mm. OK, OK. And then she only really starts having a go at someone when she realises that, actually, if I don't say something now, everyone's going to die. So I think she's very cool-headed. So I think with Amanda, what we did, she's, she's a little less cool-headed. Like she's she's not so much she won't uh, sit back so much she's a little bit more impulsive than her, her mother I think um, she still has the same kind of like she's still heroic and she'll still kind of like when things get into trouble she'll be the person that goes okay I'm going to deal with this but I think she she um, she tends to just jump in a little bit a little bit sooner mm. than her mother would and um, and I think that was that was kind of interesting that changes her quite significantly from uh, Sigourney and I think she's um, I think she's a lot more lonely than Sigourney as well. Um, because I think losing her mother has really affected her because mm. she's, you know, there's a vacuum, so she's kind of obsessed with finding her. And I think it's very hard for her to move on. And, and you know, I mean, Ripley, Ellen Ripley, sorry, in the original film, is um, she's quite the career woman and she's got a good, you know, I mean, it's space truckers, but she's still quite high up. Where Amanda is kind of, she's she's quite low down and I think she hasn't really progressed in her career because there's this thing that holding back her, this other mm. obsession. Yeah, I think that was, that was quite interesting too. Great answer. I mean, just to put it into perspective, because I know that we still occasionally get uh, this question from, from fans. Um, so just sort of like to make it uh, really clear is obviously the game is set 15 years after mm. the original events of the film. And at this point when you're, you know, exploring Amanda's narrative, Ellen Ripley's still technically in, um, floating, floating in space. In space. Mm. So, um, you know, like you said, there must be a huge... Sort of like weight of, of um, nostalgia and memory and, and the loss of, of essentially yeah. a childhood without her mother. So that, you know, would play hugely on her character. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's because it's not even she doesn't even know her mother's dead. So she mm. she can't it's very hard for her to move on and, and and I think just when she thinks she might have moved on, suddenly she finds out there's a the, you know, the trail's kind of picked up again. Mm. But I, I mean the other thing I think that's really interesting about her is uh, the fact that she's still a a hero without, you know, she can still be scared of the monster and kind of, like, worried about um, attacking it. And 
uh, because it's a horror game and, and it's a horror story. So if you're not scared of the monster, it's not going to work. But she's heroic because she does things we wouldn't do. You know, if I was in that situation and I saw the monster, you've got to go down the bridge. I'd be like, well, someone else is going to go. Yeah. You can go or you can go. Or let's just hope it all turns out for the best. Let's but, just go hide in a box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would, and I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people would. And, oh, I totally would. And she just, she kind of has that fear, but then she's fine through it. And I think that's what makes her interesting and, and a hero, you know. She goes, well, I don't want to go out there. That's terrifying. It's the worst thing ever. But I'm going to do it because it has to be done and no one else is going to stand up. So, um, you know, and that's what that's what Ellen Ripley's about as well. Yeah. I mean, so to go back to the kind of 15 years thinking, I suppose it, you know, it did come back to that sort of idea that Ellen is floating off into space, frozen, you know, and, and us discover, you know, kind of realising that in Amanda there was a character that, that would grow up in those intervening years, asking questions about what happened to, you know, where, where her mother disappeared, and realizing in, in that character we had, you know, as Dion says, she would, I guess, have a lot of the similar traits to her mother, but also be a, a, a new character in herself that we, you know, we hadn't heard her story, and that seemed like a really exciting prospect to, to kind of follow her journey and, and discover what would happen if she encountered, you know, the creature that separated her from her mother in the first place. And you, what was interesting about getting that character to sort of like gaming flesh as such? It sounds a bit dodgy, but you know, you know what I mean. Not at all. Um, <laughs> well, so I think the the, the most obvious or <clears throat> or the first challenge that we that we had was just casting someone for the role who could plausibly be Sigourney Weaver's daughter. That kind of narrowed our selection down quite nicely to start with. And mm. then I think, uh, you know, when we went to casting, uh, you know, we had the writers, etc. And it was, you know, more about the performance. Could the could this actress or a- actor um, deliver on the character that Dion and um, his guys had, had, had created? I think, you know, visually reproducing or, or creating this character, I don't think was uh, as much of a challenge as, you know, dreaming up the... The fiction of, mm. uh, of, who the, of who this person was. I think our brief was quite straightforward, really. Mm. Make Ellen Ellen Ripley's daughter. Yeah. So physically, she just had to. It had to be plausible. She had to look like she could be uh, Ellen's daughter. And then, um, I mean, obviously, that's just the the actor, mm. the, the 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 flesh of the of the character, and you know, the costume, etc., etc. I think we've talked about that before. You know, obviously, this is this is a new character. Mm. These are <clears> new costumes, um, and the, well, the costumes are there to support the mm. support the characters and. Um, you know, they are completely new inventions, but that's not to say we haven't, uh, you know, looked really thoroughly and deeply at the uh, at the costume design from the original movie. You know, we've taken a lot of cues from that design. Mm. We've, yeah, we've kind of built on it. That's not to say we've kind of copied it. Yeah. We 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 haven't. Um, but I think that's given us a vocabulary to, or, or you know, deconstructing that's given us a vocabulary to, you know, rebuild new stuff, which you know is in, mm. is in the same vein as the original movie. I mean, the costumes feel authentic, even though they are mm. new um, and inventions. One of the things I, sorry, I love uh, in our studio is actually the Amanda costume that we have out in reception, <clears throat> and that's sort of like proof to what you were saying about sort of like deconstructing and and trying to be as faithful as we can to the original source, but at the same time putting a sort of like our own spin on it. Like mm. My favourite thing about that is the bag. Um, hmm. It's a great bag. Um, anyone would use it in their, you know, right mind. And I think you know that 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 adds a really nice personal touch. That um, is, in my eyes, very Amanda um, and and not Ellen. And obviously, uh, I took a photo of this and tweeted out um, a while back. So for our listeners, you would have seen that. And if you haven't, go back through our Facebook and our Twitter. It is on there, and we've got a nice little montage of uh, of the costume, which you know, as Jude describes, uh, we've taken inspiration 
inspiration to create and, and, and we put that in the game. Yeah, when, when I say we've got, we had the easiest brief, which I think was, you know, here's the character, mm. let's deliver on that, <coughs> and I kind of belittle the work that, that's gone into that. I think, you know, yes, the brief is straightforward, but, you know, how we've interpreted that and, mm. you know, the painstaking attention to detail has been absolutely ridiculous. Um, <laughs> you know, yes, you know, not just what bag, but you know, what what is the fabric of the bag, where does the strapping mm. go on the bag, what are the fittings, etc., etc. I mean, we care deeply about what we've done and the guys designing this have just taken every opportunity to go as deep as they can and um, you know do everything right down but, to the smallest detail really yeah I think it, what, what's really nice about seeing all the art and the characters and the <clears throat> the world is that you know a lot of it's kind of new and it's not from the original film but it you could imagine it in there it doesn't look out of place if it was on the Nostromo you know you'd go like oh yeah that makes sense I can I can imagine that mm. on there you know it just fits perfectly you know it's yeah great. so I think for, for us when we started making the characters you know I think as fans, we all, we all knew what the characters looked like. You know, Ripley's wearing a jumpsuit and, and Ashley's got his kind of his own thing going and Brett's got his Hawaiian shirt. And, and so, you know, we'd all be really super familiar with what they looked like. But it was actually not until we got the production archive from Fox where we had high resolution imagery of, of those costumes. And, you know, we could look at things really close up. We could actually understand and, and appreciate the amount of fine detail that went into that costume design. You know, John, John Molo, who, who designed the costumes, who, who also designed, I think, um, some of the costumes for Star Wars, is an amazing production designer, costume designer. And it was really, uh, you know, eye-opening for us to see the amount of detail that was actually present in, 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 the, in the costumes, but you wouldn't necessarily see, you know, it's kind of almost, you pick it up at a sub subconscious level. So that was great for us because it meant that we could try and take some of those motifs and those elements and actually put them into our costumes and, and again it might be not something that you necessarily pick up on straight away but um, the kind of the details there and that seemed really important to us to, to kind of mirror the, the care and attention that went into those original designs. So have you got some sort of like um, funny or interesting little things like you know about creating the costumes such as you were saying you know the stitching on the bag and things like that like did, how sp how specific did it get like uh well as i said before i think we went ridiculously deep into this <coughs> and you know picking up on what al said um, a minute ago you know getting these production shots from fox and realizing mm -hmm. that you know there was this detail in the in the set in the costumes um, or whatever that we hadn't that we hadn't realized as you know i suppose uh, viewers of the and the movie was just really, really exciting, and it was the production stills of the characters um, in costume that I think really kicked off our uh, obsession with deconstruction. Mm. And you know, what is this? What's this detail? Uh, who? You know, what, what was going on there? Let's argue about this. Let's decide about that. I mean, I think for a while, um, yeah, we had a few arguments about what the trainers were that were modified um, uh, that, that, that Ripley wears, but. Um, I'm not going to mention any brand names, that, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we know we know what they were. Um, but yeah, I think it's just. Um, yeah, I think we. I think the the badges as well. We had um, like <coughs> long discussions about the insignias. We kept going back and forth, and well, because we wanted to make the sure they all the, the history and and, yeah. and that everyone was you know uh, different from each other. And, and it's it's that it's when you're doing that you kind of realise God we really are going into a lot of detail and, and that's really nice you know but it's it's funny how you know just tiny things like that you would just talk about for ages and again don't think that's quite right let's go around it again and and mm. it's it's 
Yeah, it's, so, so I mean, let's be clear. I mean, it's a it's an iconic movie, and there's a lot of people out there who really are big fans of the film. And I think you know we're not the first people to try and deconstruct mm. the the movie, but I think we probably are one of the first groups of people to do it as thoroughly as we had. So you know, when we're looking at you know what does this badge mean, what's the, where's this motif from, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it's kind of hard to separate. You know the the chat on the web of mm. you know, this person's discussed them, that they think they, or that this person is posing the idea that this mm. is an engineering badge or this is a, you know, an officer's insignia or whatever. It's kind of hard separating the, the truth from, um, from the gossip you hear on the on the internet. And I think, I don't think we've got to the bottom of all of it necessarily, <laughs> but we've made some fairly educated guesses, I would say. Mm. Okay, so uh, moving on to my second question. What do you love most about the alien world and the film? And uh, for you, what were your major inspirations and motivations that you, that you took and put into your sort of like different areas of um, game creation? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a big one. question. Uh, <laughs> but it's a fun question. I think it's, the thing is, I think it is, um, we keep talking about the believability, but... It really is important, you know. I, I mean, personally, I, I love the believability. I love the crazy, you know, films that are crazy. And but for me, Alien, the best part about it is that those characters are, are so real. And I love the fact that they all kind of they don't really get along because they're working, you know, they're working in mm. small quarters and they're different ranks, and some of them mm. are getting paid more than each other. And you got this kind of mini society within the ship. And what it does is that it just. Um, because it's so grounded, it, it throws the alien into sharp relief. Um, you know, because they're, they're, you look at them and you realise that they are as shocked as you are by the alien. You know, they may be on a spaceship and they may be in the future, but they're, they're like us. They would, you know, they're, they're mm. still surprised mm. by it. And I think that um, that was really nice. And, and the dialogue in it, where they're very kind of, it's very kind of quick, dry, and, and they're just like chatting about, you know, just normal stuff you'd be chatting about mm. and they got the same complaints as we would have they complain about their pay and you know they like that person irritates them and mm. they've got to work on them and that one one's got a, you know a bit big headed and it's the same you know and they get up in the morning then they get from, up from hypersleep they're all knackered and they it just it feels like that's how I wake up mm. in the morning I'm like bleary eyed and rather than you know this sci-fi thing where they kind of wake up and all these Robotic things. And, it's, yeah. I just love that. It's just, it's the same. You know, it's almost not in the future really. You go, yeah, yeah. And then the alien appears and it's the most, it, it's one of the most perfect monsters. It's because it's repulsive and it's really threatening, kills in so many different ways. Mm. But um, as well as, you know, being physically dangerous, it's also psychologically threatening mm. and it doesn't look like anything else either. And it's just, it's really mysterious. You know, it doesn't, um, you don't learn very much about it. And that just, makes it so much worse mm. it's the unknowable thing well um, it would be I assume you know that that actually happened in our office and we yeah. weren't yeah. working on this game and you know this thing just appeared I would be bricking it I would just not I think I'd just hide in the ladies that would be yeah. it <laughs> maybe yeah. under the sink that's a secure place <coughs> it's true it's true um, Al and Jude Okay, so, I mean, obviously, the thing that stands out most, and to be kind of broad and crass, is that it's a you know it's a beautiful looking film. It looks amazing. Mm. It's, you know, it's 35 years old, and you wouldn't know it was 35 years old. I think it's aged extraordinarily mm. well, and I think part of that does kind of touch on what Dion was saying there. It's like you know, it's it's an engaging movie. You don't look at it and go, "Wow, I'm watching mm. a sci-fi film." It is you know this kind of this kind of kitchen sink 
uh, a very kind of grounded and believable feel to it, I think is uh, it's just testament to a fantastic piece of work. And yeah, I don't, actually, I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> um, it's it looks good. It plays yeah, good. It, it it does look amazing. I mean, it's a great looking, and I think you know, for us to try and ape something that you know is is as timeless as 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 that. Mm. Um, there's something very special about the way it looks, and that's and, and the fact that it has survived um, intact yeah. this long. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to echo what the other guys have said. I think for me, it's everything, right? It's like the perfect package. Is is I probably wouldn't have been pushing so hard to make a game based on the values of the first film if it wasn't the case. I mean, you know, we've just spent about almost yeah four years looking at this film all day, every day, and we still see stuff that we haven't seen, you know, before. Um, you know, it's everything from. The, the music to the set design to the to the dialogue to the casting you know it's an incredible cast unbelievable editing of the film and the sort of cinematic craft and imagination and creativity that went into to every aspect of the film is is absolutely you know perfect and we really love every aspect of it and that's why I guess we we've been so excited to kind of mm. embark on this this project and and kind of really get our hands on that source material and I, I suppose that's one of the <laughs> interesting things for us is I think games based in the franchise previously had looked kind of at the other films for their inspiration and that that's totally cool um it just felt like for us there was an amazing opportunity to to tap into that first film that kind of original experience and and try and you know, put something together which allowed the player to experience what it would be like to to confront that that first alien. So um, yeah, it's a really that's a hard question because I think that it's, it's there's no aspect of it that we we don't love deeply and and have, have and you know deeply inspired us. Mm. You know, hopefully what we, what we've shown so far kind of is kind of goes some way to demonstrate demonstrate that. <coughs> Well, I do like to challenge people, and I must also say that there's some really strange going on in this uh, in this um, room at the moment, like lots of strange noises and things are moving. So, if if this is indeed our last uh, audio log, uh, you must remember us because uh, I don't know, maybe there's an alien here. Did you just see that thing move? Yeah, I saw that thing move. Yeah. Did you see that thing move? <laughs> It wasn't just me, right? I don't think you imagine that. No, I didn't see it at all. <laughs> Those things definitely moved. Anyway, uh, come save us if you can hear it, hear this. And uh, we haven't actually emerged out of the, uh, out of the room because that, that was weird. That's never happened before in all of uh, my podcasting career. You might need to explain what it was. It, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, mystery, mystery. It doesn't work so well on that. It was true. It was just the uh, the um, audio sliders on the on the uh, deck thing. Maybe, that maybe, got... maybe they were reacting to what you were saying. Maybe. Anyway, maybe they're reacting to the fear of the alien. Right, uh, moving on from things that I've imagined, that I've seen, uh, on to my last question. Um, so bearing in mind all of the research <coughs> that we've done and, and we've often said that, you know, we were uh, given a huge amount of support from Fox and they gave us, you know, the chance to go to their archives and look at all of these awesome things and, and, you know, sort of like production notes and, and pictures from the film. So I'd like to know what's the most interesting that you have discovered or found out about the film through the time that you've been working on it so far? Just something that you could share with the listeners that, you know, you thought when you heard, that's actually really cool. Well, I have, um, about the, the original film, I have a theory. Uh, <laughs> this is my theory. So, um, obviously, uh, spoilers if you've not seen the original film, um, you know, you're a bit and late. If you haven't, shame but, on you. Yeah. Get out there, go watch it. So my theory is that um, the crew on the Nostromo die by their weaknesses. 
specifically, say, Dallas. Um, even though he's a captain, he's, he always seems to be led by the other characters on the ship. And it's his indecisiveness when he's in the vent, so he doesn't know which way to go, that way he just gets picked off. Uh, Kane, he's he's like really inquisitive. He's kind of almost driving Dallas, even though he's a captain. Mm. He's the first one to go from the facehugger. And then we have like Lambert, who's um, she's terrified of everything, and, and it's her fear that kills her in the end because she can't even physically move. So that was that was just something I I got really from just watching the film again and again and again, and, and you're kind of looking for themes and looking for interesting bits, and that was just something that kind of occurred to me. I was like, actually, is this planned? I mean, maybe not, but it kind of stood out to me. Yeah, you thought about this long hard. I have yes, and tried to prove it. <laughs> Uh, somewhat. You'll yeah. write a thesis on it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if my uh, evidence is strong enough for a thesis, but yeah, we'll see. I, I would say that Ellen Ripley's a bit scared sometimes, but like you say, she's just got that perseverance to just yeah, deal with yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's like right. Well, she doesn't let it paralyze her, so she kind of she just carries on. Mm. Uh, I think for me, one of the most interesting things or things that I or we learned was. Um, was as a direct result of looking at the archive materials that we got sent by Fox. I think you know everyone's usually familiar with the film, or a lot of people are usually familiar with the film. Um, but seeing you know the props and the set mm. uh, outside of the context of the film, you know all these production shots of I don't know part, parts of the, the Nostromo cockpit mm. um, in the kind of cold light of day, rather than uh, you know in the carefully crafted stage lighting or whatever, was just absolutely mm. fascinating. Really, um, you know getting to the bottom of how these props were built, what the materials actually were, you know, what the properties of these things uh, were. I think that I found that absolutely fascinating and didn't kind of realise until we'd uh, seen this, how different mm. um, uh, the camera can make this stuff feel. Yeah, I was really, really surprised by um, how some of the props yeah. or the set appear to have been built. Yeah. And um, I think we've, uh, you know, taken lessons from that and applied some of the theories that, that we think we've seen um, in, into the production of our own props. Yeah, for example, I didn't know until uh, recently, obviously, that parts of the alien had bits of Rolls-Royce, like the Rolls-Royce car in it, which I thought was pretty awesome, just chunks of car. Yeah, well, it had all, all, all sorts of... Bits it had all sorts of crazy things. There's certainly some bits of plumbing in there, which we've seen from the, uh, well, from the close-ups we've had, and I believe there's sheep bones and all other um, crazy mm. uh, bits in there, some kind of uh, hideous collage. <laughs> but, um, what about you? Yeah, so, I mean, it's the same, really. I mean, you know, as, as fans, we'd only really ever had the movie to look at, and so being given access to, to so much material which showed us behind the scenes was, was truly amazing because it gave us a whole new dimension as, as to how the film was put together. And I was, I was fortunate enough to go to 20th Century Fox in uh, California and, and go to the archives deep underground um, and actually go through, you know, the, the actual paper drawings from from uh, Ron Cobb. That was pretty special to actually to see that, and you know, also you know, to dig out archive audio material that seemed to have been, you know, not not forgotten, but certainly dormant, you know, deep inside the archive. And 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 that, you know, that's one of the exciting things for me is 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 being able to um, bring that, you know. So so we found we found a reel uh, in the archive which uh, we weren't sure what was actually on it, as it just had Alien M plus E. 
written on it. And uh, so we transferred it to, to digital and uh, it, was a, it was a fantastic find. It was the effects for music. So I think um, you hear it mostly at the start of the film, the kind of low moaning sounds. And, it, and it's accompanied by these amazing British uh, mm -hmm. accented uh, sound engineers from the time calling out the, um, the takes. I think that's really special for us because I guess this this reel has been sitting in the dark for 35 years, kind of untouched, and uh, we've had the chance to, you know, the thing I think that's quite special for me is that we, you know, we we've we've got it and we're putting it back in front of an audience that will really appreciate it and and kind of feels like we're giving it a second life and that feels that feels really nice and uh, and I guess just adds to the authenticity mm. and and the sort of feeling uh, that the, the the game is uh, keeping in spirit to the uh, to the original. Hmm. And Al, you actually do a very good impression of these. Uh, oh no, no, sorry, no, no, it's Dion actually. Oh, is it? <laughs> I seem to remember uh, it was Byron. No, 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 it was it was Al. Uh, you d you did a fantastic impression of the. Uh, no, I think before. you're confusing me. Uh, I think you just uh, I think you just uh, got a bit of stage fright there. <laughs> okay, um, and I hope uh, you guys listening got a little bit of extra juicy information from that because, um, as these guys have said, you know, obviously we are we're all huge fans of the film and having the absolute honour of working with the resources that we have, you know, has given us a very privileged position in, in being able to see, you know, such fantastic detail. So uh, hopefully that's that's given you an idea of the type of details that we've seen. Um, and now moving on to your questions uh, which you sent in thank you again uh, for sending those in we've got some um, familiar names um, so you guys are very very keen and thank you very much for continuing on uh, sort of like wanting to know uh, more stuff about our game and our insider videos so I'm gonna ask them so, um, so the first question is from Richard Booth his question is quite long, so I'm going to try and sort of like read it out. And, um, and he says, in the orig original Alien film, we know there's a group dynamic amongst the cast of trying to deal with the situation that Alien provides. Some characters are useful, some not, and some with a different agenda that goes against their survival. My question about the cast is, will they have a positive slash negative impact to your survival by friendly slash hostile means? Will there be other NPCs in certain parts throughout the game? And who will help? Help and hinder your survival. Ooh. It's, um, it's, it's yeah. a decent that's, question. That's, yeah, it's good. Um, so I was I was really keen when we started to to you know y you're right uh, in that Alien has this fantastic kind of ensemble cast of characters who all have different different agendas and a different outlook and and I, I was really keen that we mirrored that in some way and so I think it's it's fair to say that in in our game there's a there's a, likewise a a really small um, cast of characters mm. who the player will get to know uh, over the course of the, their journey, and, um, and 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 just like in that first film, um, how they respond and react to events, and and and, and the player, um, you know, can be unpredictable and and can change over time. Yeah, they're it's, it's, they're they're an interesting bunch. It's difficult to talk about them without <laughs> giving too much away. 
Yeah, we, we don't want spoilers, but we can definitely talk about, for example, uh, the fact that it's a festival is how it is, it's the situation that it is at the moment, yeah. and there will be other um, survivors. So, yeah, I mean, there's, mm. a, there's a small inhabitants on the station. I mean, re- really small. And again, they're in, they're in the same situation as the player and that they're, they're desperate to survive. And, and again, how they how they respond to the player and events is, is kind of unpredictable. Um, you, you won't be sure. You know, sometimes it's positive, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're a good thing. And sometimes um, they're going to have a negative response and, and they're going to pose, you know, a potential obstacle to the player. But again, you know, it's, it's, it's I think having that unpredictability keeps the player on their toes and, 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 and having to sort of second guess what might, what might occur. I also think it kind of keeps them on their own. Yeah. So even though you got, you know, uh, Sevastopol has, has got a population, the player is still kind of the main lead character as well, mm-hmm. is still very much on her own because, you know, she's kind of separated from them by them because, funny enough, they're all trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that's going to conflict with what you need to do. So I think, yeah, it's, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about the kind of the, the rest of the, the inhabitants of the station, not the kind of named or central cast I think you know from a visual perspective putting them together has well we've taken a different approach to that than we have with the kind of named characters who've had uh, bespoke costumes created head to toe um, the approach we've taken with the uh, secondary characters was more um, a mashup of separate costume elements so you know we can basically randomise uh, how these costume pieces are put together shoes, trousers mm. jackets, shirts hats, accessories etc I think I mentioned this before but you know we did this originally just out of uh, practicality it seemed like a sensible way to get the biggest bang for buck out of these yeah. costume elements but mm. as it happened nothing uh, it, it's, it's befitting to the to the world you know where these aren't formal costumes mm. you know there are uh, formal elements to the costume but they're you know they're worn worn very informally and having this mashed up um, or randomized costume creation I think is uh, in keeping with the themes of the original movie um, and I think that moves us on actually quite nicely to our next question, which is from Chris Lorenz. Hi again, Chris. Um, he's back with another question. And uh, he said, I heard you guys scanned a lot of the team faces into the game. Does this mean we might see an Al Hope or Gary Napper, dead body lying around, or them as random crew members on the station? I think um, both, really. Um, we've done some horrible things to uh, our likenesses uh, <laughs> on the on the shop floor. I've uh, seen some horrific stuff. Absolutely, some of them, yeah. some of them are going. I, I got, you know, some people on the on the team who've seen themselves effectively well, dead. Uh, <laughs> they've said things like, uh, I, "I can't show this to my wife." Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a little bit bizarre actually. Yeah, encountering yourself in a video game. It's very, it's quite eerie seeing people you know. The character, yeah, doing doing terrible things and being done <laughs> terrible things to them and then you, you kind of go oh that's that's so and so over there you know it's oh it's I just did really that to strange, that person yeah. Al have you seen yourself yet? <laughs> uh, no I think I'm not in the game anymore so that's that's a good thing oh really? what? oh god special treatment well I, I, I'm somewhere in the game I don't know what I'm doing but yes, the answer to that is yes. Uh, we we have got uh, we have scanned uh, a large portion of our team, if not all. Um, and you can look forward <laughs> to uh, finding us and actually, you know, seeing whether you can distinguish uh, who is who, and you know whether you can actually figure out who Jude is and who I am, and uh, who, who is not real and who is. I think uh, that's something to look forward to. There you go, Easter eggs, boom. All right, 
Uh, on to the third question, which is from Jason Escalante. Again, thank you very much for writing it in. Um, he asks, without spoiling anything, can we expect a few surprises from these characters? This um, is a tricky question. It's tricky, but I think I think we can kind of answer this with... Um, it's similar to the first question, because um, obviously we don't want to give away anything about the plot. Nope. But I think it ties into surviving. I think um, all our characters on the game ultimately just want to survive. And I think um, when you're put in that life and death situation, I don't think you really know how you're going to, you know, you're going to respond. And I don't think you... I think people respond in um, many different ways and you're not even sure... Like, for example, you think, well, that person, if say they're a leader, if they're in that terrible situation, they're probably going to act like a leader. <laughs> But actually, they might go to pieces, and and this other person who's very quiet might step up to the plate and become a leader. Um, someone else might end up being very selfish when they're, you know, actually a very nice person in real life. Um, and then someone else might suddenly be like the hero, you know. So I think um, with our characters, I, th I think the different ways they're going to survive is going to be quite interesting. Mm. And I don't think you're going to be able to predict that. And um, yeah, so I think it's, I think we'll have some of those in there. But. Apart from that, I can't really say much else, you know, and I don't think I'd want to, you know, no. want to leave it for the players exactly. to the discover. Yes. yes. But yeah. have to wait and see. Exactly. Okay, so um, final question from Pierre Vachon. And uh, Pierre actually wrote in to us uh, on email and on Facebook, so thank you. Um, and he would like to know, well, actually he says, can you please tell me a little bit more about Taylor and Verlaine? Yeah, um, so um, again, not going into the plot, but Taylor is, um, she works for Wayne Yutani. Mm -hmm. She's a legal executive, so unlike Amanda, who's an engineer, um, she hasn't really, um, she hasn't travelled very far. She hasn't got as much um, kind of experience in space as Amanda, in fact, hardly any. Um, and she's very nervous about it, but um, she's very career-minded and she's actually um, a bit of a kind of rising star within Wailing Yutani. And she knows what this, um, what the flight recorder means to Wailing Yutani. So she's kind of like, well, this is, this can really make my career. So uh, what's interesting about her is that she's almost the opposite of Amanda. She's kind of very nervous in space. She's not very practical. Um, but she's doing really well in her career and she's got she's kind of got a plan in her life but they're both after the same thing but for de very different reasons for her it's a job it could make her you know her career essentially for Amanda it's a lot more personal uh, that's Taylor really um, for Verlaine Verlaine I really like I think she's um, we talked about her being if Ellen Ripley had never been caught by the alien what might have happened to her and I think Verlaine's kind of like that she's like because I think Ellen Ripley would have had her own she'd been captain of her own ship you know because she seemed to be really good at a job and you know she could have potentially risen um, and I think Verlaine is is the captain of uh, the Torrens uh, which takes the crew to um, uh, Sevastopol station and um, she's one of those people that have kind of worked with the megacorps who have been taken over the universe, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, so rather than, like, kind of staying independent and losing out on her work and, and becoming buried by it, she decided to actually work with them. And, and it's kind of another question of surviving, even though it's uh, obviously not at first. It's surviving against the aliens, just uh, surviving in the, in the world they're already in. And I think that's another thing. There's, always, there's an element of that, because Sevastopol is already a desperate kind of place. So even before the alien comes, you have people surviving just to, just to make money and try and uh, uh, exist in a world where megacorps are kind of ruling uh, all, all the finances and, yeah. 
Cool. Anything to add? I think picking up on what uh, Dion said, first of all, about Taylor, uh, interesting that, you know, she is a very contrasting character to Ripley, but I think there there is some sharing or, or, or overlap there. I mean, um, you know, I think visually they are quite disparate um, characters, but we have, I think, got a thread of that is this that is common to, to both of them. I mean, it sounds kind of almost daft but you know they are both wearing jumpsuits but those jumpsuits are very very different um you know they are from completely different walks of life and uh, you know well ripley's jumpsuit is very utilitarian and practical um you know the other end of the spectrum mm. taylor's is uh you know luxurious or dare i say frivolous but, uh, space frivolity <clears throat> shocking uh, you know, if I remember when, when, we were, when we were looking at the design for her costume, um, you know, we knew we, we wanted this this character mm. that you know hadn't uh, hadn't basically hadn't come out from behind a, a desk. She was a you know high powered executive, very glamorous, very I suppose not worldly wise. She wasn't she wasn't going to be comfortable uh, in space or on a space station that was that was that was falling apart. But yeah, when we were designing her costume, we looked at uh, all kinds of things. But I think one of our main uh, influences, apart from obviously the original uh, costumes, I think we looked at um, kind of traditional Japanese costumes and, uh, cool. and how that stuff was uh, put together. Mm. You know, the, I guess the tailoring, the, the details there, um, and hopefully you can see some of that in it. If you can't, you can just take it, uh, take take it for what it is, which mm. is you know a good-looking costume and a good-looking character. Right. I think, I think the, yeah. I mean, one of the interesting things for me when we were when we were putting these characters together was how the actors that we had auditioned and chosen to play them really, I think, started to feed back into the character. So the guys who, who are Taylor and Verlaine, I think we really, you know, as we worked with them closely, that their, you know, their what they brought actually started to feed back into the, the characters themselves. And, you know, I think they're they're stronger characters for that. I think they're mm. You know, in, in in many different ways, but I think they kind of those guys put flesh on the bones and uh, really brought them to life. And I think that's you know they they started from from us. And I think you know working together, that what what you see on the screen and what's in the game is a kind of collaboration between between us and the and the and the uh, performers. Yeah, they de I definitely. I mean, when we. Did the recording sessions? They would, um, uh, they'd have a, they're really involved with it, so they'd have a lot of questions about it. You know, sometimes if they kind of question something, and you'd go, actually, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't sound like your character. And mm. when you hear their voices, mm. then, then when you go back to write dialogue, you kind of, you have a, a lot clearer idea of exactly what they'd say. You know, like this person. Well, I think it's because you, you, you know, yeah. After after a couple of days of working with with these guys, we, you know, we were working with Taylor and Belaine, mm, yeah, you know, and yeah. I think that really influenced and and had a big impact on on those characters. Yeah, it's great. There's a, there's a definite back and forth. Yeah. Brilliant, and you know, obviously, people will get to know these characters, and they will, you know, uh, be able to um, see all their stories and their narratives uh, when when the game is uh, is out. So, plenty to look forward to. Now, you know, talk about looking forward to. This is the moment that you've been looking forward to. It's when I tell you <laughs> what the title of this podcast means. Don't laugh at me, Al. Um, so, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> okay, so. Out, you guys! It's a heavyweight laugh. Um, who guessed this? Did you guys guess? 
this title. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It was too easy. It was, because everyone knew it. Uh, so, um, Chris, uh, Lorenz, Jason Escalante, Piero Vachon, and Ivan Bernabal, you all back and you got the answer right. So, congrats. And to everyone on the forum, um, you are all right too, because, uh, you know, I, I know it's a really easy answer, but tying in with the building the cast video, I just thought it'd be nice to anchor back into, you know, one of the most iconic um, sci-fi characters, and that is uh, Ellen Ripley, because the number 759-L2-01N is her ID number. Yay! Great! I think it's great. So, pat on the back, Neon, well done. Um, And that that brings us to a close, really, for our podcast, the final in this series. No one is crying but me. Um, We will be back, and, uh, you know, I will obviously try and, and... Make sure that we will be back and you can hear my uh, glorious tones again. Okay, so don't, don't, don't start, you know, weeping or applauding people. Um, but thank you so much to everyone who has tuned in and downloaded our podcasts and listened to us um, over the course of the past few months. And we really hope you enjoyed uh, listening to what we've had to say. Um, and thank you for your time. And uh, we hope to catch you on here soon again in the future. So this is us signing out for the fourth time. Bye! All right, you can say bye too. Bye!